Hey, y'all. Welcome to B-Sides and Deep Dives, a podcast that celebrates music off the beaten path on the other side of the record. You know, back in the vinyl days, all the radio hits were on the front side, the A side, but the true treasures were on the other side of the record, the B side. In today's modern music landscape, there is nothing better than just finding an old school song or artist long forgotten about on a deep dive. I'm Lisa, a recovering Columbia House member with multiple musical personalities and I require playlists for every mood. And I'm Taya, a recovering mixtape maker and musical overthinker. Thanks for tuning in and if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a like, follow and subscribe and check out all the songs we mentioned on Spotify, the exclusive home for B-Sides and Deep Dives playlists. We want to thank you guys for all your feedback on our Luther episode. And yeah, I know, I might have been out of pocket for the whole Keith Sweat thing, but hear me out. We want y'all to chime in. I'm not always right, but um, I thought about it for a second. And what we really want you to do is tell your friends to listen too. The way this whole thing works is the more listeners we get and the more traction we get, the better off the production will be. And we want the traction. We want the traffic. We want all the smoke. For those of you who may not have a more personal connection with us, we can be reached on our Facebook pages, our actual blog, or via email at, you guessed it, B-Sides and Deep Dives, all one word, at Gmail. We welcome the dialogue. And what else are you doing during this social distancing time? The phrase du jour in many of our industries right now applies to this playlist that we're going to present to you today. We are going to build this plane in the air. We've both been influenced by Quincy and truth be told, we are having quite the time narrowing of an official list down. So as we record this, we're making final lists and we will be soliciting your input, input on our social media platform just in case you think we forgot one. Yeah, this one was a tough one. Quincy isn't just a producer. He's a trailblazer. He's an icon. He's a master of professional and musical reinvention. Like who goes from being a trumpet player in Seattle to the kind of person that can call anyone? Rapper, mogul, former presidents, royalty, Oscar winning actor, director on the phone and have them return his call. He's one of our very few EGOTs, people who won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. Um, And the sound that he created in the 70s and 80s served as the basis for two of probably the most influential albums in modern music, Off the Wall and Thriller. So, yeah, this was just a tough one. Yeah, and we want to remind you because I probably didn't do a good job of saying anything in the beginning, but we're talking about Quincy Delight Jones, the one and only junior, because his dad's name is also Quincy D. Jones and his son's name, they call him QD3, but we'll get there. Um, He is the perfect producer. He had an ear for combining voices, arrangements, and percussions, um, and no detail was ever left untouched. Um, In today's episode we try to show the breadth and depth of the artist without being stuck on our favorites but i bet you'll be able to tell that many of the songs and artists we grew to love in our formative years were touched by the cue some way somehow 
Michael Jackson notwithstanding, there's an entire body of work before he meets the young Michael Jackson on the set of The Wiz. Our playlist has over 20 songs and we've only scratched the surface of mm. his vast catalog. So we hope that you'll look at our list as a starting point if you're not familiar with Quincy's work or if you are already familiar with him, then we hope you'll find some cool songs to enjoy that aren't familiar to you. Um, so I'm gonna go first and share my sort of standout songs from the list and it's four. I've picked two from sort of the era that I know him from, and then two that I discovered later um, that are also equally just brilliant, brilliant songs. So the first song is Live In Me from Rufus and Shaka Khan's Mm -hmm. 1979 album, Master Jam. Um, This song takes Rufus and Shaka away from their earlier kind of rock sensibilities and drops them into that Quincy Jones template with amazing results. Now, this is the same project that has the eternal club jam. What you feel? Do you love what you feel? Hey. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. We just had to have a moment. Just Um, a moment. (laughs) Just a moment. But going back to Live In Me, there's something so um, uh, like ferocious about the sentiment of this song. It's demanding, um, but at the same time, like there's this deep sense of longing that you hear in Shaka's voice. And it's written by one of my favorite songwriters, Rod Temperton, who's a frequent collaborator with Quincy. If you look at the liner notes of many of his um, albums, you'll see Rod's name there. And he wrote a little song called Thriller. Is that a (laughs) B-side? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The second song uh, from sort of my sweet spot of Quincy songs that I picked is called Summer in the City. It's from 1973's You've Got It Bad Girl. And there's something just so laid back in the cut cool about this song that it really just makes you nod your head. And of course, for uh, any old hip hop heads, uh, you will immediately recognize this as the sample that's being used by the far side and passing me by. Riverside's Um, finest. (laughs) So the other two songs that I picked are from Quincy's Jazz Days when he was like the go-to composer and arranger for everyone from Sarah Vaughan to Frank Sinatra. So the first of these that I want to recommend is Monin, and it's from 1959's The Birth of a Band. And I personally, I love 50s melodramas, things like um, Perry Mason and even kind of 50s noir, like stuff like The Narrow Margin. And this music sounds like it could be a part of like the soundtrack of one of those. Um, Or maybe even the original Ocean's Eleven. Mm -hmm. It's just big, brassy, full of orchestral swag. He didn't do an Ocean's, he might have. I feel like he did something. You might be right. I don't know, but we'll put it in the blog if we find out. Um, But yeah, it's that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I mean, it never fails to make you happy and full of yourself, like in a good way. 
And then the second song from this era that I wanted to raise is actually also from 1959, The Midnight Sun Will Never Set, sung by the incomparable, I finally got it right, yes. Sarah Vaughn. But you know, we love her voice. It's oh my God. butter and brandy. Oh, that's a perfect way to describe it. Butter and brandy, indeed. Um, and you'll find this song on the Vaughn and Violins album that was conducted by Quincy. Um, and he also co-wrote this song. And look, there's been few voices like Sarah Vaughn, so we could wax poetical. Um, That's another about, playlist. <laughs> that is another playlist about just how rich and deep and beautiful her voice is. Um, and in this song, all of her powers are on display as she sings about love that is lost, love that is never realized, um, just beautiful, haunting, plaintive, just the perfect, perfect, um, sad love song. So I recommend um, all of these songs to you. And I think what I like about all of them is you almost would not believe it's the same artist. Exactly. Exactly. You um, yeah. So he that is, is a compilation king. He really is. He really is. He really can just do it all. And I think these two sort of diametrically opposed kinds of songs, all good, but just very different, really speak to just how masterful uh, Quincy Jones is as an artist, composer, you name it. Yeah, and there are several, you know, there there's something about listening to a Quincy project because they span decades with an S, like 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, where his music uh, is reincarnated. That's the word I'm going to use this go round. I believe that Quincy believes in musical reincarnation. Um, the songs that I landed on, I kind of landed smack dab in the middle of the 70s. I'm sure it has to do with our favorite um, uncle. But um, I'm going to kind of go in reverse order because these songs are also, two of them have taken on, have had new, found new life. So the first one I want to talk about is Mellow Madness from 1975 with, um, and it just, I love that song because it has like a Roy Ayers vibe to it. It's just very um, mellow and funky and 70s-ish. Like, it's definitely like textbook. And then um, the thing I like about it the most is the vocalist. I'm going to say her name wrong again, so you may as well help me out right here. (laughs) Paulette McWilliams. Paulette McWilliams is killing it on the vocals. And it just, it takes you right to the 70s. I think I said it sounds like brown lipstick, um, Afro Sheen, and polyester. I absolutely (laughs) love her voice on that song. Yes. The other two songs um, that I love are Midnight group patrol which is on um it's a step it's a it's an instrumental it comes out in 75 but i like it not because of 75 i like it because it's new incarnation which you can hear it in raheem devon and you can hear it in robin thick it's a instrumental fast driving brassy tune that just keeps moving and the the bed of it is so soulful um, and the horn section is so powerful that it just it's a good road trip song and I live for a good road trip the other one, my third and final selection is a song called I Heard That and it's on the Body Heat album of 76 
and I want you to listen to it for the funky bass line and because <laughs> it was incorporated in a song by the late great Tupac Shakur with um, Casey and Jojo How Do You Want It and we all know who Tupac Shakur was linked to uh, at the at his untimely demise I personally feel like Quincy had the, the vision and the foresight to continue to plant the seeds of his music in modern musicians so that it could continue to regenerate um, almost like having an eternal musical life and those are my three I love all of those yeah I really love all of those and I, I think you're right say- I sent those to you, and if, if anybody's using their Spotify app, you can send songs and playlists to other people, and they can get them. And I remember uh, sending you the Raheem Devon and the Robin Thicke accompaniments. Like, you know, you hear these songs, you're like, I've heard that before somewhere. And then when you do a deep dive on Quincy, you realize how many times he has... Um, you know, when you grow a plant and you can cut it and stick it in the ground, another plant will grow and you can cut that one and stick it in the ground and another one will grow. That's what Quincy was doing. What is it called? Propagation? Yeah, that's the Okay, word. this is science and I'm oh, out sorry. of my depth. Sorry. Thank you. Right. But um, you're right that Quincy made music that was so good that other artists could take that music, do interpolations of it, and create something new that still honored the old, that still harkened back to the old. Um, and actually then makes you want to find the old. So I think that it's the best of both worlds. Absolutely. So, most deaf. There's so much more to explore with Quincy and we wanted to share a few more of our Quincy gems and jams. Yeah, um, I'm going to go first because um, I feel like we picked some of the same songs. So I'm going to skip the one that I know you picked and go straight to one of my favorites, which is I Know Corrida. It's on the dude. It's that Latin jazz disco bounce roller skate. It sounds like a party in a can, like everything about that song I've always loved. It just... I never knew what I was saying or what I was singing, but it just made me want to groove so hard. And when you put this one on the playlist, turn it up and just have a show enough party. I also think that there's a version of Taking It to the Streets, the Doobie Brothers classic, um, but Luther Vandross and Gwen Guthrie are singing it. It has real special meaning in that you can tell it's a protest song the way they sing it. And it almost should have gone on our, our, our protest uh, playlist. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, there's an album of his called Sounds and stuff like that. And there's a song on there called I'm Gonna Miss You in the Morning. I'm gonna leave that alone because I know you picked it. And I'm gonna skip to All Things Brothers Johnson. I come to meet the Brothers Johnson at a pivotal time in my youth. And just to know that how instrumental Quincy was in their projects and in their works. Um, I'm not going to pick the standard classics, although I hope that they end up on the playlist. I like Is It Love That We're Missing. I just, it's a sunny day, top down, groovy kind of corduroy. That song reminds me of corduroy. (laughs) That's what it reminds me of. Yes. And so those are my gems and jams on this playlist. Okay, well, 
I am going to cheat. Not you. I know, Kel Surprise, but I'm going to cheat because uh, Quincy has such a deep catalog. It's really difficult to do it justice. And for me, as I've said before, I'm more of a fan and more familiar with his work between, I would say, 1970, 1989. So what I want to do is recommend two albums that, in my opinion, are like gold standard examples of that 70s, 80s Quincy sound. And these are albums that are not off the wall or thriller. So the first is 1980s Give Me the Night, George Benson, classic, where he serves as a producer. The album is listenable from beginning to end, and it features one of the few remakes to me that puts the original to shame, and that is Star of the Story, Star of the Story, excuse me, uh, which is again written by the great Rod Temperton, who was an original band member in Heat Wave that recorded it first. And then the second album we've already referenced, um, I Know Corita is on The Dude, 1981. Yeah. Quincy's project under his own name. And again, that that project is just awesome. Just from beginning to bangers. end, everything. Right. As the kids say, bangers from, the, <laughs> from beginning to end is heat, is fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So I recommend both of those. Um, and then on that particular album there's another great Rod Temperton jam called Something Special sung by the great Patty Austin mm-hmm. and it's just it's so sweet and longing and just oh I love that song so if you don't if you're like ah, I don't know playlist if you get those two albums you will have really captured kind of the essence of what made Quincy such a pivotal musical figure in our, our our youth and coming of age. Just that sound. It's just an amazing sound. So um yeah and that's the thing about Quincy. Like we have um started and stopped this project more times than we can even keep up with because the legacy and his contribution to our culture is just huge. I mean, he worked with everybody from Miles Davis and Frank Sinatra and Aretha Franklin. He hung out with the Brat Pack. He worked with Ray Charles. Um, people like Randy Crawford, Bob James, George Benson, Luther Vandross, and Gwen Guthrie, they were session musicians for him. They were back in the right. day, back in the Rolodex days, Quincy's Rolodex was probably worth the what should be, should be in Fort Knox, you know, Ashford and Simpson, the Wiz. I mean, who can forget that epic Emerald City scene? So classic. It's it's a classic scene. It's uh, the Wizard of Oz had never been remade in that way, and it's really kind of a a cautionary tale for the world we live in right now, where things just <laughs> change so quickly. You know, he did. Roots. He did the color purple. He was responsible for the scores and the soundtracks of these movies, including E.T., the Italian job. Um, and even, I don't know how many of you guys know that, but the song, the, the uh, theme song for the Austin Powers um, franchise is Big Bossa Nova, which is Quincy Jones. Uh-uh. He owned, so we're talking about the 50s, we're talking about the 60s, but he also owned the 80s. We we keep talking about Michael Jackson and dancing around it because we know that that's how most people come to understand Quincy Jones, but his wasn't an overnight success, nor was it meteoric. He has consistently been at the top 
of the pile of the food chain of the totem pole since he entered into the music industry. Um, and we can't leave out We Are The World. Um, we were talking a little bit about just, he managed to stay afloat through every decade. I'm not even done yet. I mean, there were the 90s, that's Q's juke joint. He was instrumental behind Vibe Magazine, which was the premier magazine. It gave Rolling Stone a run for its money and it put us on the cover. Sure, he wasn't like on the front page, but his daughter ran it. And I have a feeling, you know too, that the connections from him led to that magazine being what it was in the 90s. It was our Bible. We skipped Billboard and Rolling Stone to grab Vibe. Exactly. Um, he also was responsible for a little show called The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Maybe you heard of it. Um, <laughs> so his legacy and catalog span an entire lifetime. He is the consummate entertainer. He has established the blueprint that so many follow. But I'm going to be real with you. I can't imagine Puffy, Pharrell, or even these new producers like DJ Mustard or Zaytoven putting out compilations like The Duke like Q's juke joint or back on the block. They just don't do it like that anymore. You know, I, I will say this. Um, I totally agree. I mean, when you think about the, the breadth and depth of Quincy Jones's catalog, and as we've said before, this is a guy that's lived multiple lifetimes. You're a, a jazz session, you know, you're a jazz musician in a big band. Then you're the composer of the big band. Then you are doing work for Sarah Vaughn, Frank Sinatra, all of the jazz greats. Then you shift and you're doing movie scores and soundtracks. Then you shift into this, you know, jazz, pop, soul, Latin fusion yeah. that you use as the basis to like become a super producer, like right. in the 80s and 90s. And then you go from there to sort of giving hip hop its entree into the print world with vibe you know then you're into television production right. and, and discovering talent like yeah it's oprah winfrey whoopi goldberg right it's it is um it is breathtaking the amount of creative lives that he's had so i agree that i can't see some of our current producers doing as much as Quincy did. I You see them do a few things here or there. Certainly Puffy's done compilation projects under his own name. Um, people like Timberland have branched out yes. into um, television scores, most notably with Empire. Yeah. But when you think about just somebody just running the gamut like that, yeah. I, I just, I think he's one of a kind and I don't know that we'll see his like again. Yeah, he really is. And, you know, um, in the process of this, I, we deep dive, I mean, so many times. He, he really is an encyclopedia. He literally is a living legend. Um, and I think that uh, there, the story of how he was uh, working on The Color Purple, um, Alice Walker's book and bringing it to life and how he was stuck in Chicago and just happened to be watching this midday news show and saw this chick on there named Oprah Winfrey and just bing, pegged her for Harpo, not even knowing what her qualifications were. You know, he had an eye and a vision, has an eye and a vision. That's just incredible. I think that um, he's one of a kind and the musical landscape that we now enjoy has been, um, he's the architect. He really is. I know we say architect a lot. I know I feel like I say it a lot, but Quincy definitely, he's the infrastructure. How about that? <laughs> 
infrastructure is a great word. Um, but I just think he is a guy that just constantly reinvented himself. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think in a time now where you are really encouraged to stay in your lane, mm-hmm. and you spoke to that earlier, yes, that I he did. did not stay in his lane. I think artists now are really encouraged to narrow their focus, stay in their lane, be very niche. Um, so for someone to just have the kind of breadth and depth of a career like his, it's almost, it's discouraged now. And certainly he was discouraged and, you know, in those days and times. Um, and we want to recommend to you the Netflix documentary yeah, um, that his daughter favorites. did. Um, I think that it would be really great to just get a, a sense of who he is. But he was certainly discouraged from branching out and sort of taking those next steps, certainly into doing movie scores, composing, conducting bands. At every stage, he was discouraged. But I think the difference is, it seemed that he had a vision for seeing himself at those other levels. Whereas now, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if artists are Mm -mm. have that vision for themselves or if they're so kind of, you know, encouraged to to create sort of a really narrow space for themselves, almost like companies creating like a really hyper-specific brand identity that makes you unique. Um, but in the process, it sort of limits your ability to do, you know, great things and amazing things in other places. So Yeah, it's. I think it's his global vision. I think at a very young age, he was traveling with the likes of Ray Charles and the big bands and, you know, going to the Montreux Jazz Festival and being all over the world at a very young age, it, it, it cultivated his global vision. And I think that people like that are just sponges. But what I appreciate about him the most is he's not trying to take it all with him. He's definitely kicking game to whoever wants to listen. He's, I feel like, um, and I would compare him to Barry Gordy, except Barry Gordy had one niche market like you said one lane one avenue one arena and he he rode it till the wheels fell off quincy quincy just yeah that was a good one quincy (laughs) saw a bigger a bigger playing field and it's we are all lucky that he did i do want to before we uh wrap this up i do want to talk about the hits because there's another song that i meant to mention and it's on q's juke joint it's called do nothing till you hear from me which is a an oldie but goodie but on this one it happens to be sung by uh phil collins i just like how quincy could take a song one of his old songs find a new voice and bring things back to life and i don't even know where we would be if quincy hadn't delivered us the great patty austin she's just a gem and a jewel and baby come to me was probably the hit that everybody knows about but she's everywhere yeah and and who thought about putting her together with James Ingram like that was Quincy and I mean that's magic like Mm -hmm. it's almost like if he did nothing but put those two voices together Mm -hmm. oh my goodness yeah of course you've got to check out the hits Um, so of course if you're not aware of some of the things from like the Back on the Block album which was a really big hit I would mm-hmm. certainly re- recommend to you The Secret Garden. Of course. It was on everyone's Yo mama was playlist. listening to it. If you don't if you're a certain age, <laughs> you might want to ask your mama. If about you're born it, in the right. 80s, mm-hmm. Ask her you, about it. 
um, Tomorrow, the song uh, that features the then undiscovered Tevin Campbell. Beautiful, beautiful song. And then also, I would say, give a listen to some of the B-sides on his mega hit albums with Michael Jackson, Off the Wall, songs like I Can't Help It and uh, It's the Falling in Love, once again. That's making with, me high. <laughs> right, yes. Being in love. And of course, who's singing that with Michael? Miss Patty Austin. Maybe this should have been a Patty Austin appreciation. Yeah, podcast. it's it's feeling like a, a Patty and James Ingram uh, appreciation. You know, I he also did my favorite version of Handel's Messiah. Um, if you've never heard it and you're looking for some Christmas music, those of you who do Christmas music, there is a Quincy Jones version of Handel's Messiah that is just everything. And I just thought about it right now because um, there's a song on there with Tremaine Hawkins that just gets me every time and um, there's a really good song on there I Know My Redeemer Lives by Tevin Campbell if you have never heard it I need you to look up Handel's Messiah Quincy Jones Thank Me Later that whole that's a that's a soulful holiday Christmas Christmassy vibe and I know it's what it is it's the heat of summer right now but go ahead I'm gonna um, suggest some Handel's Messiah to go on this playlist it'll seem out of place because it'll feel holiday-y but I bet you've never heard these classics rendered in the way that they are on this um, this piece so I think we did all we can do to scratch the surface of Quincy Delight Jones yeah he's his catalog is massive yeah so use our playlist as a starting point and then just go from there yeah and maybe up on our blog um we'll post some of the different um interviews that are cool to watch that give you some insight into how his mind works you know it's always interesting to watch a genius try to talk the process through to to the commoners (laughs) to us little people yeah to us little people It has come to the attention of the management (laughs) that on Spotify, you can search our playlist and our podcast separately. So if you put in the letter B space, the word sides, as in more than one, the and side deep dives, you'll get the podcast. And if you put in B sides, one word and spell out deep dives, the playlist pops up. Give us a few weeks to get this business straight, (laughs) but tell your friends anyway, because the more hits we get, the easier we will be to find. Don't forget to tell us what you think on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are B-Sides and Deep Dives. And don't forget to check out the other lists we've posted and let us know what you think. Rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And we'll see see you. you On the B side. side. (laughs) (laughs) We never get this.